Welcome everyone to No BS Podcast with Brian and Susan. Hello everyone, it is episode 30. This episode is Pride. Yes. What a great episode. It is, it is, Susan, a fantastic episode, a fabulous episode. It's episode 30. Did you ever think we'd make it to 30 episodes of No BS Podcast? I don't know. No, I don't know. I, I honestly, I didn't know where, how far we'd take it, but I'm happy. Oh, we taking it. We take it, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. We are. We are. We're very happy to be here. It is uh, mid-August already, August 15th recording day, which means in a couple more weeks, we'll get into fall. We'll get into Halloween. We'll get into the the cooler months. Uh, where Can't has this, that. where's this summer gone, Susan? Where's this summer gone? uh it's still here it's just killing me i feel like it's has been a long summer it's just and it's just so hot so hot it it has been hot in texas for sure mm-hmm. and uh but yeah we have a great episode so 30th episode today um we're gonna be talking about some new movies and tv shows later on our main event uh today is all about pride and the best uh, LGBTQ movies and television shows, and perhaps our favorite LGBTQ character from a movie or TV show. We'll talk about that later, give some suggestions, give why we like these movies and why they're important. But first, The Bachelorette, Katie Thurston season is over. Uh, we're going to talk about that right now. There's lots to talk about because the finale happened. People left, people (laughs) turned her down. Uh, did she end up with someone? We'll let you know, but it was kind of crazy and we have so much to say about it. So Susan, please start us off. Well, let's start with the crazy episode right before it. Um, Greg leaving. That was a huge, I mean, I guess it was a shocker, but I think the more shocking thing was how he left and how he spoke to her and what all happened there. Um, he, he claims that the reason he left is because right after this perfect hometown date that went really well, he pours his heart out, says he loves her. You feel a hole in my heart. Like I want to be with my wife. I mean, every, everything. And she just didn't acknowledge it the way he would want her to. I admit in the moment, and maybe it wasn't the best thing, but she also has in her mind, she doesn't want to say, I love you to anyone until she knows for sure that's the final person that she's going to say, I love you to. She only wants to say, I love you to one guy. And he took it. I don't even know how, why he took it the way he did. But in that moment, even afterwards, he was, she was trying to be really reassuring to him And it seemed like it was all right. But then he goes to her door the next morning and just lays into her almost as if she did the worst thing in the world to him. And he needs to go. He has to go. He can't. He deserves more than what she is giving him. And he can't take this anymore because apparently all the validation that she's given him throughout the season, like the first impression rose, the first one on one, the only guy to get the second one on one. And then the validation through through in there that she gave him 
wasn't enough. No, no, no. Little baby oh. Greg needs more than that. But go well, ahead. Let, let's <laughs> breath. <sighs> okay, so oh, I have a lot to say about him. So to go back to the beginning, Greg met Katie, and Greg, how he was perceived through editing. And the show through most of the season, even the start was like, he's this shy, timid, very sweet guy who kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. He um, he's open. He also lost his dad, just like Katie did. They bonded over that immediately. And he seemed like a genuine dude. Like he's, he's quiet. He's soft-spoken. And then, you know, throughout the season, you see like, oh, Katie really likes him. And then the audience likes him. And you see that he is, uh, he's growing for her just in every episode. And like Susan said, she gave him the first rose. She gave him the first one-on-one date, the second one-on-one date, and just all the salvation. So it all came up to the final four people. And that was Blake, that was Greg, that was Michael, and that was the guy who Justin. we just, yeah, Justin, who we don't remember really. So Aww. it's very unfortunate. We'll talk about that in a second because it's, it's funny and sad at the same time. Yeah. But Michael left because his kid uh, on a call, uh, said that he's like, oh, my dad doesn't want to see me. And so he left the show. I get um, it. I'm going to yeah. just interject really quick. I like Michael and he's a really strong contender. If he's not already been chosen as the bachelor, it's probably going to be him just FYI. But I think we should call a spade a spade here. He just wasn't that into Katie. Like if he was into Katie enough, he would have stayed. It was close enough to the end that he would have seen his kid. I don't think the guy liked Katie that much. And I think when his child said that, it made him realize this is not worth being away from my child because I don't like her enough. Let's. Right. I think okay. that he liked her, but I just don't think it was all there. Yeah. For that. And so that left only three people. Mm-hmm. And so that was Blake, Justin and Greg. And so. Greg, like Susan said, opened up his heart out uh, and like said, basically, like, I love you. You're the one I want to be with this, this and that love, love, romance, be with you forever, forever. And she just kind of patted him on the back. It's like, yes, like. I, I feel these things, but I can't, you know, I still have these other people. And the dude did a 180 like just got really upset and just got super angry about it. He was so confusing too. Yeah. He just, he got super upset and angry and he just handled it very poorly. Uh, They use the term gaslighting where you just make somebody feel small and blame them for everything that you're going through. And that's what he did. And he ended up just leaving she came out, got on her knees, begged him to stay, and he just wouldn't have it. And so that left two people that Greg is gone. He also he walked away from her twice and didn't even think she was worthy of a good wa- goodbye. Bye, Not even yeah. a goodbye. He was so upset about it. And like I said, 
it was handled very poorly. Like you have somebody pouring your heart out to that, you stay, you acknowledge it. You not, you don't take the, those emotions over, which gets into the whole point, which we'll get into in a second uh, uh, about his true intentions or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that leaves Justin and Blake and like Susan, the bachelor bachelorette expert she is because that's all she does 24 7 these days <laughs> yeah, that's all i do i don't have a life besides that she predicted blake in the beginning you know as soon as she came on that she would be the one and blake is awesome blake, blake is, is good awesome. yeah so and then justin justin throughout the series is a cool, calm, collected dude. He's awesome. He's funny and he's great. However, he didn't bring anything to a reality show. Reality producers want drama, craziness, and bullshit. Justin isn't that. So Justin had like the lowest screen time, screen time of anybody. So you just like, why is Justin here? But facial little, expressions. They they loved yeah. his facial expressions. That's it's, it. <laughs> yeah. So we even get that until a montage in the after episode, but. It was interesting to hear them talk to see like how much they did have in common, but they didn't show on television. So Blake was the one. So it turns out that, you know, when there's three left, we knew it was going to be Blake because Greg did his thing and Justin just, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so when Blake met uh, Katie's mother and aunt. Yeah. I don't know how I would have felt in that situation. Like that would have been a huge red flag to me. Oh, her aunt Lindsay. Yes. Like she was nuts and intense. And I don't see how Katie could have somebody like that in her life. (laughs) Well, first of all, can you imagine if Greg met aunt Lindsay? Right. Right. He would have cried and pooped in his pants. Like it would have been so bad. He would have, I, I, that's why I kept going in my head. Like he would have had that conversation with aunt Lindsay and then gone back to Katie and blamed her and said, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that treatment. She was vicious to me. I can't take this blah, blah, blah. Props to Blake, the way he handled it, because yeah, I wouldn't be able. Okay. Aunt Lindsay did ask good questions, but she was mean. She wasn't being nice. She wasn't just asking the questions and trying to understand. She was trying to almost make him look bad. And so it just wasn't, yeah, I wasn't crazy about aunt Lindsay. Maybe she was awful. She was awful. I, I don't know what I would have done. Like I'm glad Blake really liked Katie enough to like go through with it. But it's like, you're married into the family and hopefully aunt Lindsay is like doesn't live in the same city and you don't see her that much because she was truly awful. Well, like, I, and with somebody like that, you just like got to shut up and like let them be an asshole. Which you know? is what he did. He yeah, essentially no, did that. He just let it. But I think the saving grace was her mom. Her mom was really sweet and great. So in reality, if I was in his shoes, what would I care more about? a sweet mom who's being supportive and being more understanding or the aunt, you know what I mean? Like, okay. So there's a mean aunt. That's fine. Like I'll just let her do her thing. Katie's still great. Her mom's still great. Like that's the thing about Blake that I've liked this whole time. He seems to be very confident in himself. He knows what he wants. He knows what he likes. So he doesn't let things get to him as easily as say Greg or whatever, somebody else. Like he's just kind of like, 
I actually could see you handling a situation kind of like Blake, where you just be like, all right, unless you think you'd get heated. Do you think no, she would push your buttons? Oh, no, I don't get heated. I was just like, wow, this is this is intense. Yeah, like, there's a lot of hostility here. I would have made jokes about it in front of her. And she probably would. She doesn't seem like she has a sense of humor. But <laughs> yeah. I would have made myself laugh. I mean, I wish they would have shown their conversation about Ann Lindsay on television, like uh, Katie's and Blake's. Cause I've, cause like my thing, I was like, Katie would have asked me like, how was that? I was like, that was super intense and not yeah. fun at all. Like, because that was crazy. And I think uh, the hosts, they were like, yeah, no chill at all. And you're just, you just kind of, think like wow what's this person's life like where they have to be this way to somebody they just met and you know he's given good answers but then you just don't you just make it rude and unaccepting yeah i think her mom was a little bit like that but her mom knew like you know that's what i want to hear i want to hear that you just love her and that you're going to treat her right and happy and she cried yeah she she said i just care if katie's happy that's all i care about right uh and like i said i've only seen a few things but it's you know they they those two seem like the most intense out of any parents or family members that come in like oh. i know that no. was not no. no? Okay. No. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I've that was seen not that the worst family experience at all. She was like, whoa, like I didn't expect the questions, but I've seen so many worse like family encounters. Like one to even Bachelor Nation fans know about Des's brother with Sean Lowe's season. He went down as one of the worst, where he flat out told the bachelor. You sound, you seem like you're crazy about a lot of women and you seem like a player and you just don't, you know, like it was bad. It was really rude. This was, there's, there's been other ones. Aunt Lindsay was just like, damn girl, you're being mean, but I don't know. Something about her is like, yeah, she's mean and stuff, but you could just roll it off as far as like, I guess. I think what helps too is like afterwards, she already went out like, damn, like, I guess there was a text message released or something between her and Katie about after it aired. And she was like, okay, I feel bad. I feel like I need to like apologize to this dude or something. Like I look so bad. So something tells me maybe she just was really protective in that moment. She knew he was the only guy there. And she's like, I'm going to grill him. Cause it's just you. So prove yourself to me. Not saying she handled it. Well, I don't, I think she was too harsh, but I, I feel like she would lighten up. I feel like yeah, she would. let's hope so for shit, Katie and uh, Blake's sake, Jesus. Yeah. Um, so the show ended Blake, did propose they seem super happy uh they kissed they got engaged picked out the ring it was real fun and romantic Mm -hmm. and then the after show they brought back some of the guys uh and they talked with katie and then they brought out greg which i guess before you go there, I want to ask, I want to make sure because this there's some people that say this and I I strongly disagree because I know you liked Blake. You saw the connection between her and Blake pretty early on, too. You don't look at Blake. You don't look at Blake like her third choice. Right. Like a default pick. No, I would. The first 
Blake and her thing, I was like, wow, she really likes him. And I always yeah. thought since then, I was like, okay, there's Michael, there's Greg, there's Andrew, yeah. there's Blake, and there's Connor. And yeah, I think Connor would have gone a long way if she was just attracted to him. I think Michael would have gone a long way and Andrew would have gone a long way, but it just didn't seem like it was the fit for either one of them. And then you had leaves Greg and Blake. And mm-hmm. I think she really liked all like those five people the most. Yeah. And uh, I think Blake and her had kind of the same, uh, the, the same chemistry. Like, it seems like they're both kind of perverted and funny. They like the same yeah. sense of humor. Whereas like maybe Connor had a good sense of humor, but his is more dad-like and PG. Yeah. Uh, and he's just kind of, he's, he's very uh, cheesy, but Blake's not and neither is Katie. So I don't think it worked there. Andrew, I mean, I liked Andrew, but it didn't seem like he was, I don't know. I think Blake was great. I don't think he was a third choice. I think, like, put yourself in that shoes. You're going to fall in love with multiple people, guys, like yeah. five people, and then you whittle them down. And then, I mean, Blake was through the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, there you go. I don't think Blake was. I think Blake and Greg and Michael were the top three for the most part. So that's what people are saying. They say because Michael left on his own and because Greg left on his own, she took Blake by default. But I completely disagree because I think I don't I don't think she was ever going to choose Michael regardless. I think he could have made it to top three, maybe. But I also think the minute she would have met his kid, maybe she would have realized, I don't know if I want to jump into this quite yet especially right. with two other guys there that i feel strongly for though she really liked michael i i don't think it was like i i certainly don't think if michael and blake were the final two like she would pick michael i think she would still pick blake and if anything and i think you pointed this out when we talked about it when it came down to greg leaving we know the reason she didn't say those words to greg is because she had blake in the back of her mind Right. That's a hundred percent why she didn't say like, I love you. She's thinking I still have Blake here. And what I would ideally love is to take you two to the final, like have you guys meet my family and have the, and the thing about the fantasy or yeah, the fantasy suite portion, that's not just necessarily like you're trying to have sex. It's the one time that the lead and her guy are able to have the no important converse, in the important conversations, the important conversations and no cameras, which is so vital for all the Bachelor Nation people. We know that that has been a huge game changer for people because people change once the cameras are off and they have seen that difference. So well, it yeah, makes in, sense. In, in Tasia's season, I remember the one guy she had in the fantasy suite. They talked about religion and stuff like that. And, right. Ivan. Yeah, and then yeah. they were done. They were yeah. done. Yeah. So it's it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. So I I don't think she was like, oh, I wanted Greg and he left and now I'm going to take Blake. I think she was like, Greg, I wanted you to stick it out so I could choose between you and Blake. But now that you left, you made my decision very easy. I know it's Greg. I mean, I know it's well, Blake. Blake. Damn it. Yes. No, Blake. no, for sure. I, I agree with that because I think I told you when we watched it uh, that I was like, if she if she really thought Greg was the one, she would have said something like yeah, if she was so sure mm-hmm. she would have said she would have told him that. But she still had 
somebody else on her mind. So she wanted to see it through. But I was like, yes, I was like, he opened her heart, his heart out and she didn't give it back. She wasn't ready. She's still having thoughts like About he was Blake. not the one mm-hmm. right then and there. So, uh, no, I'm glad it ended. I'm glad it ended with Blake. Blake seems cool. And it seemed like if she would have chosen Michael, because I think when hometowns came, she would have realized because what Katie and her mom and her aunt seemed to really amplify was like, we don't need no man to tell us what to do. We don't need this. We don't need that. We're women. We stand on our own. And it seemed like with Blake, Blake goes to Africa for a few months out of the year. They're very independent. And that's what Katie likes. And they even said that on the show, like, Hey, we lead our own lives. We don't have to rely on each other, but we want to, like, we want to be there, but I'm not going to get mad at him for going away for a few months. We'll see each other. I don't have to be there to take care of a family or a kid or something Mm -hmm. like that. So it seemed like the right fit. Yeah, it does. It does. So the after show where after the finale, after they propose, they come on the show, um, Tasia, the host there. And I can't ever remember her name. Caitlin and Tasha. You Tasia. say Tasia, by the way, like it's Tasia, 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 and Caitlin. They're there. They're bringing on a couple guys from the show to talk. They're uh, showing clips, and then they're showing. They bring out Katie and they talk about it. And then I guess from what they reveal, since Greg actually left the show. Greg and Katie have not talked at all. So they bring Greg out for the first time to confront Katie and they bring, they bring Greg out and it's just awkward. Nobody wants to shake his hand. Nobody wants to give him a hug, even the hosts. And then they bring Katie out and Katie's entrance to Greg is just best. It is, it is ice cold. Well, Let's preface one thing, and and I big reason is because when Greg first went out there, they asked Greg, "Do you have any regrets? Is there anything you would change differently?" And he said, "No." He said, right. "No," which right. is even more infuriating because by this point, Greg has had at least a month. At least it's been at least a month since his in whatever rude ass breakup with her, and he's watched it, and he still doesn't think he did anything wrong. Just. So, yeah, I get right. why Katie is fuming and just just dodges that hug and goes straight to the couch. Yeah, it was it got awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened between Greg and Katie? I mean, it, I, they ha- it wasn't pretty. It wasn't fun to watch. It oh, was I just, had fun. <laughs> oh, I, I was like, oh, man, like we know this is going to happen. Greg's going to explain himself. It's just going to be a shit show because he's an idiot. Uh, Mm. And just not, he he just doesn't understand what happened. His mind is just like, poor me. This is what I thought. When no victim, he has, he, that's, that's his biggest issue. If he had come out there and said, I do regret the way I spoke to her. I think I was just too sensitive. I acted immature. I did this. I want to apologize. Then sure, of course, anyone would be like, yeah, thank you for owning up to it and we can move on. But he went in there keeping up his image that 
Well, it was the whole goal of that breakup was to make her look like she did something wrong. And he wanted to keep that going. He kept wanting to make himself look like he was innocent and victim. And she did this wrong and she wasn't having it. Katie took all the words out of my mouth, like when she spoke to Greg. And I really uh, applaud her for being able to stand up for herself, because when I watched her in that breakup, I felt disgusted. I would have acted the same way as her if I felt like I did something wrong like that. And I would have felt like lowest of the low. My confidence would have been shot. I would have just wanted to go home. And he did that on purpose. That's what's so rude. Like, sure, Michael A left because ultimately he really didn't like her enough to get down on one knee. Used, you know, made it said, I need to go back to my son. But he was really kind to her and he never made it feel like he didn't want to make her feel like she did anything wrong. And that was the opposite of what Greg did. Greg made sure that he was trying to come out like a hero. Right. I, he, I don't know if he was making himself to come out as a hero. He just, I think he didn't understand how to properly talk about his feelings still he was still like a child in that element and he kept on you know saying like yeah like the no regret thing was crazy to me and him the way he did it was crazy and then man katie let him have it and it was deserved just because but I, man i'm trying to figure out why greg went into that like and he kept saying I'm sorry if you feel, I'm sorry if you feel this way. Right, that's It's a fake apology. It's yeah. A fake that's apology. not an apology. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a fake apology. He's like, I'm sorry if you feel that way. And yeah, Katie is just, it's, she's very stern. She's very quick with her words and uh, attacks him on everything, which was really funny. Like the whole, like I, when he goes, she, she brings up his acting career. So it was brought out that yes. like, He's trying to be an actor and all of it was an act. And Greg on national TV, it's like, I'm no, I'm no Meryl, Meryl Streep. Street. And like Katie's rest, like, oh yeah, we know this. We know that. We know that. And I'm like, oh man, this is just <laughs> going downhill. Like it's just attacking and attacking. And and rightfully so. Like Katie is hurt. Like, and Greg did this, and he had the opportunity to come on television, but in his mind, he just, he's not mature enough to admit or apologize about mm-hmm. that. Because I mean, if I was in Greg's shoes and I did that to Katie and I would never do that to Katie or somebody, yeah. even, and then when she came out to on her knees, begging him to stay, like, how do you still walk away from that? You don't, but then you watch it and you're like, how do you not see yourself as you need to like, oh my God, I'm so sorry this happened. Yeah. I was a fuck up. I was in a bad place. I didn't mean for this to go down. I, I'm disgusted on how I acted. Yeah. And I lost out on probably the greatest thing in my life. Something like right. that. Right. No, right. he didn't say that. He's like, no regrets. She's, nope. I poured my heart out and she gave me a tap on the shoulder. Right. And Man. she let him have it. And for like this 15 minutes of screen time in the interview, it's just like, you're just like sweating and you're biting your nails. You're just like, oh man, Katie's just letting him have it. It's, you know. 
because she's constantly still having to defend herself because yeah. she's still doing this and it's very and so the 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 kicker how they ended it was Greg said I wish you the best in life. Oh yeah. And then she looks at him and she says with this fake smile and grimace look like I wish you the best too yeah, and you're just like was- man it's like the kiss and the godfather that uh, Michael gives his brother Alfredo, like, you know, you broke my heart, you know, something like that. Like, he's going to end, like, I don't mean this kiss. I don't mean this. But it was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, I, yeah, right? Great. Yeah, no, it was really crazy. I, I have to say one, two things. Well, one, I just really was annoyed too because Greg was so contradicting even throughout that breakup. And she tried to point it out on the couch is like, he was saying, I don't want you to say you love me, but give me something. But then he like calls himself. That's the other thing. He's like catching himself in his own contradiction because she's like, but you kept telling me you didn't want that. And that clearly you wanted me to say that I loved you. Like, that's what you wanted. And he was like, well, yeah. Like, so that frustrated me because I didn't know what he wanted. He wouldn't just admit that that's what he wanted. But uh, the acting thing, I actually am siding with Katie because I, I do think it's true. What and I, I read up on this uh, beforehand too. <laughs> is that I actually had read up on it before and I didn't want to believe it about Greg, but a lot of his friends and sources, whatever, came forward that this shy guy act like that was fake. Greg is confident, he knows he's hot, and this was an act. He went to acting school, he went to acting classes right before he went. Oh, he was supposed to. Well, he applied for Claire season. He didn't make the cut. He made it like the short list, but he didn't make the final cut. And which isn't a big deal. But the, the thing is, is that before he went on the show, he purposely got rid of all the acting um, stuff on his bio and his social media. He got rid of all of it. And he only put marketing. And then people were like, I don't know where this marketing came from. Greg wants to be an actor. So that was a little suspicious to me. Like, why are you getting rid of your acting information? Why do you not want her to know that you want to do acting? It's kind of weird. And I do think that he saw an opportunity to get an escape. And he was like, this is my point to be able to blame her. And maybe people will look at me like the victim and I can just if I just keep pushing it on her, I can get out of here without looking like the bad guy. That's Uh, yeah, no, I think he had an ulterior motive. Like when that came out, I was like, this is weird. This is strange. Yeah. And uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? He's Mm -hmm. uh, he ended up not be he ended up being the villain of the season. Yes. He did. He did. So for, for sure. And so they brought out Blake uh, with Katie and very happy. It seems like they're doing well. So Susan, since you've been following up on that, how are Blake and Katie now? They're doing well. I do check up on them on Instagram and they are on their little like romantic tour. Every time after the engagement happens, couples like to find they're finally free so they can be public. And it seems like, and they probably get a lot of freebie things. It seems like they've traveled. They were in Niagara Falls like this weekend at one point. And looks like they're getting, they're having very good romantic time in the Instagram video. So at least for now, they are still together and they seem happy. I hope they last. I hope they last. Do you think they're going to last? 
I, I mean, I hope so. I like that couple. I like them better than uh, Claire and the other dude. What? I I like Aaron Dale. I like Tasha and the guy she chose. Zach. I like yeah. Zach. Uh, and then the other the guy. Um, uh, actually, Matt and Rachel are together. They're actually super oh. cute. Okay. Yeah, they got back together after the drama went down, and so they they're together. together. They've All been right. together. They are doing well. So okay, well then, uh, I like Blake and Katie. I, I hope they. It seems like Blake and Katie could have like their own show together. Yeah, their sense of humor is so similar. So they just that they're always show. They're very like you said. They're pervy, goofy. And just from what I saw from that first date, they just have such a natural, easy chemistry with each other. Like they're the way they interact. It's like, it's like perfect. So I don't know. Hope it works out. We're happy it, for you guys. Yeah, definitely happy for you. Uh, let us know if uh, you're going to come on the show and we can have <laughs> all have dinner because uh, we would love it. Yeah. So to end this uh, bachelorette season, do you still want Tasha and Caitlin as hosts? Um, they're okay. I will say Caitlin, I think the strongest point of them was when Caitlin went to console Katie after Greg left, uh, Chris Harrison would not have been able to do it like that. There's no way. Uh, there's something not just because he's a guy, but Caitlin also was a bachelorette and she really understood what Katie was going through. So having someone like that come to your aid when you're at your lowest and it's just, there was something really genuine there. You didn't feel like she was manipulating Katie. She just wanted to be there for her. So in those moments, I do think that they're beneficial. I think that them as the hot seat, like the hosting, as far as the interviewing at the, after the final row stuff, I don't know if they're just still being really careful, but Chris Harrison would ask the tough questions. I mean, if Greg was with Chris Harrison on that couch, he would have chimed in and he would have been like, yeah, but Greg, you said this. So that is confusing. You know, like he'd be a little bit more not afraid, but that also maybe comes with time. I mean, Chris had been doing it for like 20 plus years. So, or whatever, almost 20 years. And these, this is just the girl's first time. So I'm wondering if they're just too shy But that's always my biggest critique is I want someone who's going to go in that chair and ask the tough questions and put these people in their place. So they're going to do it again. They're they're lined up for um, Michelle's season. Yeah. So I'll give them another chance. I don't think they're horrible. I just they're fine. What do you think? (laughs) They were, yeah, they're, they're okay. Like they were just kind of there and they didn't, I don't think they added anything to the show other than that scene with Katie in the bathroom. Like that was nice touch, but I think Chris added something. Like I think Chris added like a home figure, like you felt comfortable. And with those two, they didn't add anything for this season. And I know it's their first time doing it, but I just didn't feel it just seemed kitschy to me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it was like, oh, it's cute. And oh, we're funny. And we just show up here and there. And I and I was wondering what Blake felt when right before he proposed and Tasha came up to him, because I don't know if he wanted somebody like Chris Harrison to talk him about proposing right at the end or if he wanted 
Tasha or something like that. I mean, because I know he knows Tasha. Well, he dated Tasha. He was like yeah. number six in her thing or five, one of those. Um, I think it's also shady of the show to make Tasha be the one to sh- present the rings to him. Yeah, was it was really a weird. Yeah, crappy. it was weird. So yeah, I don't know how that works, but give them a, give them a shot, see how they do. Because I wondered how they'll do with a, a male bachelor, or if they'll get somebody new for that. Uh, either way, I don't know how that would work. But I mean, they they were fine. We'll see. They're how fine. They, yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, we'll see the show, but I do think the Bachelor in Paradise is obviously coming up next Monday. That starts, well, I guess tomorrow. Um, so I, I can't believe they brought some of those people back because I watched the trailer. I'm like, wow, they brought these people back out. Well, I don't know how that show works. So okay, get ready. Are you? I don't know if you're gonna watch it, but probably it, not. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. It's a lot, Brian. It's a lot. But I will say that. It's that could be a test run for some other possible future hosts like Wells Adams, who's the bartender. Uh, David Spade is a guest host this season. Um, I don't I mean, I shouldn't speak. Uh, who knows how he's going to be? But uh, yeah, it's going to be a mess. They bring a ton of people and it gets it's the uh, it's the raunchy kind of trashy version of The Bachelor, Bachelorette, and it gets yeah, it seems like it's like a bunch of dudes and chicks and they can hook up whenever they can just date anybody, whoever. And yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, I can't. I've, so I, I guess until until Michelle's season. <laughs> right. Until Michelle's season, uh, there will be that. However, maybe in the uh, interim time between that, uh, Big Brother is going on right now. And I'm really hoping... Susan will watch Big Brother so we can talk about uh, we can have like a segment of Big Brother. Oh, God, you can fill in about Big Brother and I can fill in anything interesting that happens in paradise. Oh, I want you to watch Big Brother. (laughs) It's you'll like it. I promise. I I believe you. I'd like it. I just got I don't know how I have so much to watch. It's it, it is on three times a week. Good lord. Good lord. <laughs> it's on it's on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Oh but only, my god. But only for 42 minutes, though. It's I not two hour episodes. Don't have the time. You have time. You'll <laughs> like don't. it. One day, Susan. One day, audience. Maybe. One day, no BS people. We're gonna get Susan to watch Big Brother because I know she'll like it. She got me to watch The Bachelor and the Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. please watch big brother with me so we can talk. Cause I know there's tons of stuff to say and I know you would love it. I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you'll think about it. I'm just going to text you every five minutes. Uh, so let's move on to our main event, the LGBTQ movies and TV shows. Um, Susan, this, uh, this, this was pretty good because our um, our blind watch we're doing today is kind of a serious one, and it has to do with the LGBT community, um, and not in the most in the, not in the greatest way. So, um, so we wanted to talk about why these LGBTQ movies are important, why they're great, and stuff like that. So, Susan, what? Do you remember kind of like the first 
gay movie you saw, the first LGBTQ movie you watched, and was it a long time ago? Do you remember like the first a gay character? Because like I, I guess when people would start to oh. think that, they would think, um, uh, what's that sitcom? Uh, Will and Grace. I was gonna say Will and Grace, but actually, Friends came out before Will and Grace, right? Yes. So well, I think did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Pretty sure it. Did. Okay. Okay. I could. I'm almost positive, but the first. I think the first gay character. Then it didn't. It took me a second to really understand. Was um, Carol and Susan on Friends? And, like the uh-huh. reason why Ross and her his wife divorced. It took me like I didn't fully com- comprehend it. I was like. Oh, okay. But like, I also really loved how friends did it because I think that again, that was one really early on. And I just, it was so normalized. Like I was just like, okay, like they didn't the And I, cause I rewatch friends all the time. Nobody made a big fuss on that show about like, like the fuss was just like, oh my God, you didn't know she was gay. Like, and you're getting divorced. Like that sucks. But it wasn't like, oh, she's gay. That's such a bad thing. Like, you know, it was nothing like that. It was just like, you know what I mean? Like it was not a big. Yes. It wasn't like what we're we're shocked that she's gay. We need to make that a big deal. Like that's bad. It was just like, oh, Ross, are you OK that your wife's gay? Um, and then I think film wise actually would have been my best friend's wedding with, um, you know, Julia Cameron Roberts. Diaz. Yeah. And Cameron Diaz, um, Rupert. Oh, Rupert Grint, or Grant, not Rupert, Rupert Grint. Grant. No, it's not Rupert. Rupert nope. Grint's Harry Potter. Rupert Everett. Right. Everett. 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 Yeah. Rupert. Yeah. Rupert Everett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice guy. Um, so he, <laughs> nice to me. Um, anyways, <laughs> he, uh, I, I, but I was so, this might've been the first one because I was so young. I had no idea that he was gay in that movie. I wanted him to be with Julia Roberts in that film the whole time. I was like, why isn't she just going to be with him? And I think there was a little part of me that actually thought she ended up with him in the end, because after her friend goes and off with Cameron Diaz, she dances with uh, Rupert's character. And I'm like, oh, okay, so they'll get together. And I don't know when it finally clicked with me. I was like, nope, he's gay. <laughs> he like, they're just friends. <laughs> but again, another great, like, you know, I loved how it was just normalized. No big deal. Like then eventually I was like, oh, okay. So th- those are my first. What was your first? Um, I'm trying to go through uh, these things, but yeah, it was, it was probably, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think of when I watched first, but like, you know, like that, like mainstream stuff like that was really out there, you know, something like Will and Grace or something yeah. like the birdcage or something like that, mm-hmm. where you kind of that the very big Hollywood, you know, productions. Uh, but maybe like the first. OK, I do remember the first thing. I was eight years old um, and I wanted to uh, be this character. And I still do <laughs> in life. <laughs> I was eight years old. I was brought to the movie theater at midnight um, by cousins and I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. And I want to be Frankenfurter. Yeah. I still do. I want to be Tim Curry in the heels and the and the lace and all of that. Uh, as I thought was the coolest character and still do. So that was my first, I think, uh foray into that whole world. And mm. 
being in the theater, being in with a huge group of people performing it and loving it, you know, there was no like disgusted part of it. It was just, it seemed like, oh, this is the best thing in the world. Yeah. So that was probably the first thing that I remember that, you know, at eight watching that movie. And mm-hmm. like I said, still today, I want to be Frankenfurter. So <laughs> uh, very cool. Very cool. So that, and I think these movies are important there. They showcase, you know, these people and their, their, their lives, their fun, their, all the ups and downs uh, that we'll get into where we think we're going to mention our the best LGBTQ uh, films and television shows but there's yeah. something to be said and it's gone on I mean some of these movies are very deep some of these movies are very emotional and they're all over there's horror movies there's action movies there's thrillers there's comedies there's dramas there's romance all in these LGBTQ uh, films and arenas so what do you want to start with well I guess let's say our best LGBTQ films Okay. Um, I have a few, um, all different times of my life that I watched. Um, so, uh, I'm sure there's more that I just can't remember, but these are the ones that always like stick out with me. Um, but I'm a cheerleader, Watched that one pretty young. I was in high school and I watched that. I thought that was pretty good. That was, that was actually like a place where they're trying to, if you think about it, come convert them bad, like to be straight, uh, oh, I guess I, I, oh, I should add would, uh, damn it. We were just talking about that film and I need to look it up really quick. Um, before I forget that is going to drive me nuts. I cannot remember that boy erased. Would that count as an LGBTQ film? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. I love that movie. I think that is so good. That's actually the best portrayal of like a gay conversion camp story to me. Um, but I love boy erased. Uh, the, did you, I thought broke back mountain was a really good film. Broke uh, back, so broke back mountain. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So broke back mountain before broke back mountain, there had never been a mainstream LGBTQ movie. Mm-hmm. Released. Ang Lee directed it. Yep. who did who's really famous for crouching tiger hidden dragon amongst other films and then you get heath ledger and you get jake gyllenhaal and you make a western cowboy romantic movie about two cowboys who fall in love yeah and in a kind of a situation where it's really not appreciated or liked or you know and this movie made tons of money. It won Oscars and it brought this, uh, the LGBTQ community to the forefront. It's a very important movie. I actually yes. wrote about this for Screen Rant on the most surprising sex scenes in film. Yeah. And because it is surprising because a Hollywood movie didn't do this before, like just, mm-hmm. like this. And with two main big stars like this, they didn't show it. They didn't show the relationship. I mean, these people had families and they, it was excellent. And I think it really broke down walls and barriers. I mean, people can joke about Brokeback Mountain. They still do because, you know, it's funny to mention Brokeback Mountain in funny ways, but this movie was ahead of its time. Like, or I don't even know if it was ahead of its time. It was way behind the time as far as like this movie should have come out 
way earlier. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's an important movie. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, no, because I do remember watching that in theaters and thinking, especially watching their sex scene, I was like, I don't think I've really watched something like this in movie theaters. A lot of the ones I'm mentioning, uh, well, well, I'll get to another one. Was at uh, was at uh, whatever the earlier ones were at home, like a DVD or or something yeah. on TV. So yeah, it was a it's a big deal. Brokeback Mountain was a big deal, and I do think it it paved the way for other mainstream and big actors to do that. Um, Philadelphia is a great one. It's a it's a great one because that was even before Brokeback Mountain and didn't necessarily show like a love, but it actually got it, it was a mainstream movie that won the Oscars with the crazy cast of Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington about the AIDS crisis and what, yeah you know, brought that out into a mainstream media in Hollywood, you know, yeah. to the masses. That one was still really careful about showing like, you know, I think the big thing is we weren't used to seeing two people of the same sex kiss. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that really showed it. It was diving more into yeah the AIDS crisis and going on about that and how, yeah. But so, but yes, that was still a, is another important one and really good. Um, did you ever watch Mysterious Skin with jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No, I did not. Oh my God, Brian, you have to watch this. <laughs> I have to watch it. This was one that uh, in high school, my friends and I would always see the at Blockbuster, the case, and it had Joseph Gordon-Levitt on it. And we finally caved and rented it. Had no idea what we were getting into. There is a scene to this day that I still get a little scarred with um, just because it's, it's an abusive, it's an abusive scene. Ooh, ooh. Um, but... I will just say it's, oh, I don't want to ruin it for you, but eh, I don't want to spoil it. I actually really want you to watch this movie. It is so good. Um, when I watched it the first time, I didn't really comprehend it as well. But then in college, I actually did a film analysis paper over it and it made Ooh. me appreciate it so much. My choice, because it reminds some, you know, kind of what I forgot the terminology for this, but when you have a past trauma, sometimes you may in your head, you blocked it out and you make believe that maybe you were abducted by aliens or something like that. And you're like, wait, this happened. And it's really because you're hiding the, the physical abuse you might've had. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, it's so good. It's a really early film for Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, but yeah, fantastic movie. So anyways, I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but highly recommend it. Uh, Brian, I think you'd really enjoy it. I think you'd really appreciate it. And uh, besides that, so I mentioned that uh, Moonlight is a great film as well. Won the Oscar. <laughs> that was the Oscar bait movie for sure. That, that was an Oscar bait movie. It was a good movie. I was happy it won that year. Uh, but I think one of my favorites, because I am a rom-com girl, <laughs> I was ecstatic when Love, Simon came out. The, okay, I own well, it. So yeah. I own it. I have Boy Erased as well because I really do like that movie a lot. But Love, Simon is one I could watch repeatedly. I just love seeing, and that's another mainstream film, but just love seeing, again, just 
the genre that I love and, and just seeing this, uh, well, a a gay couple, but also you, you do, it is really important. I think for parents who probably, if they, if they want to cope with it or whatever, whatever issues it, it, they have a great, the way he comes out to his parents and the way that is handled is really beautiful too. So you saw love Simon, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Did you like it? I did like it. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. That's just that's that's just my cup of tea movie. I mean, I could like I said, I could watch it repeatedly. I guess I didn't even think about Uncle Frank too. That's a great one too. That is a great one. Uncle Frank is excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a lot. There's a lot. (laughs) There there is. There is. There is. Is it my turn? Yes, your turn with the movies. All right. So first, I have to mention a movie that came out a few years ago that was not intended to be an LGBTQ uh, movie, but Mm -hmm. it became the mascot and icon of the LGBTQ community. Okay. And that is the movie, The Babadook, the horror movie. What? How? So after the movie came out, the LGBTQ community made The Babadook its mascot and icon. Uh, And it was written about in tons of newspapers and magazines and throughout the their communities about how the Babadook is something that nobody wants. And uh, it's constantly trying to prove its worth and be there. And whenever somebody denies it, it gets stronger uh, in the movie. Uh, So at the gay pride parades, the Babadook was like the, big thing like it still is and susan if you look this up the babadook and lgbt you will see how it is their their icon now like their mascot okay um and when i first saw it at fantastic fest i've done none, none, none of us thought about this it was like yeah, oh, it's a horror yeah. movie. But when you actually get into it and think about it and see like what the wording in the text of the Babadook book is like uh-huh. says, like it's like, oh yeah, here we go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that one. Um, I've gotta sh- give a shout out to the movie My Own Private Idaho with River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves about uh, prostitutes traveling and getting into it. It's fantastic. Came out. I mean, this is. I mean, when River Phoenix was still alive, this was uh, Keanu Reeves at very young. Um, I'm going to go to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything with Wesley Snipes, Patrick Swayze. And oh, what's his name? Uh, John Leguizamo. Uh, Uh But, you know, about cross-dressing and uh, uh, going on uh, into the drag queen race. uh, Excellent film. Uh, do that. Uh, La Caja Fall, which later became the American version of uh, The Birdcage, which also is drag queens and a gay couple putting on a wedding and having to change yourself and your place of living and way of life to appease a more conservative group. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a kind of intense, sad story, but it, they made it really funny, you know? Yeah. Uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, my goodness. Who would have thought Hugo Weaving, uh, you know, the, the Matrix and Lord of the Rings guy, uh, along with, oh, man, what's his name from Memento? Mm, can't remember his name. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce would dress mm-hmm. up 
as drag queens and go through the desert to make a drag queen show and meet crazy adventures and misadventures and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Rocky Horror Picture Show for sure. Yeah. Uh, amazing. The movie Tangerine. Um, if you haven't seen this, it's all shot on iPhones over the course of a day. Uh, fantastic in the gay community. Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Excellent. The movie, the old movie, the old play and the new Netflix film that came out a year ago, The Boys in the Band. Okay. Uh, fantastic movie. Very sad movie where... Uh, a party, a birthday party is happening for a bunch of gay friends. And it kind of comes out that, you know, there's a lot of, which we'll get into, into our blind watch is there, there's a lot of self-loathing, self-loathing and self-hating in the gay community. Yeah. Which is very sad. So sad. Um, uh, Dallas Buyers Club with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Excellent about the AIDS crisis, the perks of being a wallflower, uh, high school dealing with, uh, gay relationships and hiding them. Um, one of Peter Jackson's first movies before Lord of the Rings is a movie called Heavenly Creatures, which the young Kate Winslet um, about uh, two uh, friends and girls who have kind of a romantic relationship and there's killing and murder in there. Oh, wow. uh, Dog Day Afternoon, classic film with Al Pacino robbing a bank solely for his partner to get a sex change operation. Hmm. Um, and I'm also going to mention My Beautiful Laundrette. If you have not seen My Beautiful Laundrette from the 80s, it's a fantastic movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, and he, it's about him and a guy he really likes who develop a romance and they own a laundry mat together. Uh, it's fantastic. And of course, Daniel Day-Lewis is in it. Blue is the warmest color, which won all the Oscars and all that stuff a long time ago. And of course, I've got to bring up the weird one, the science fiction film from Kevin Smith, Chasing Amy. Uh, Forgot about it, that one. It, great film in the gay community. They talk about it. And it is a science fiction movie. Because it's a that science fiction? That shit would never happen. <laughs> Between Joey Lauren Adams and Ben Affleck, there would never be that would not happen. <laughs> okay. I, okay. And that's straight from Kevin Smith's mouth. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a great movie, Chasing Amy. Uh, so these movies you should watch. Uh, do a movie marathon of these. Uh, you'll really like them. But now, like movies, there's TV shows, right? Yes, there is TV shows. Um, all right. Well, I guess for mine, I have uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Freaking love that show. So good. Um, just if you are and it, made me love drag queens. Um, but the, also just when you finally watch, if you watch that show, you will see how talented drag queens are. The work that they have to do. That is, I mean, they are legit performers and they're, there's a level of acting involved, um, singing, the having to be like quick on your feet, witty comedy. Uh, it's just it's in the makeup and uh, costumes, all of that. So it's just really impressive. But also spinning off that a little bit, there is a little limited series. I don't know if they're renewing them or not, but it's on HBO Max called We're Here or We Are Here. One of those where the, some of RuPaul's uh, drag race queens they go to southern towns and they uh try to 
you know, do a, they pick people to, to turn them into queens and do a drag show and stuff. And you will see it's very awkward. There are some places that they arrive to that are like, go away. Like they are not as welcome, but it's, it's really good. It's actually the stories that they, they tell and people share. It's uh, really emotional. Um, Will and Grace, uh, like you had mentioned, I actually, I mean, I, not the new reversion, but the first one, when it came out, I did watch it quite a bit. And, uh, I actually think that was the first time I remember there was a specifically an episode where, uh, I think it was Jack that was really wanting to see like the first, like have the first gay kiss on television mm-hmm. and, Will makes it happen by just grabbing his face and kissing him. And I remember thinking, I was like, I don't know if I've seen this before. I don't know if I've seen this. Like, <laughs> and it was like, all right, cool. So um, anyways, it was, it was a great show. It's really funny. Um, and Glee. Love yeah, Glee. Glee. Glee, yep. Oh my God, I love Glee so much. What it did for, I think, for a lot of people. I know the show just went downhill after Corey Monteith passed away. It just didn't have the same, like, direction uh but really great show and of course Shit's creek so yes good that, that was excellent mm-hmm. it's creek Shit's creek took it a step further like i think they really modernized it they did well watching that special afterwards um they i didn't even think about it because it is so normal to me i don't really flinch at that you know i don't think twice about a right. gay character or anything but they're right. Nobody in town thought anything of it. Even, even I thought that, I guess, even when they first arrived, you would have thought David's character, like the whole town would have been all like, oh, you're gay. Oh, oh," you know, but nobody says anything. Nobody is just like, okay, no big deal. And they, they normalized it. And it was, yeah, that's, yes, it was really great. It was good. It was good. Um, Some of mine, I would have to say orange is the new black. Mm-hmm. Um, great TV show about pr- the prison system, but also all the gay relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Modern Family really oh, yeah. mainstreamed that, even yeah. if it was over the top a lot of the time, you know, and very, uh, I don't not cliche, but like it followed a pattern, you know? Yeah. So there was that. Um, I'm going to go six feet under uh, David and Keith relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. David and Keith. And then even Claire experimented as well. It's true. Um, true. So uh, I think, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the characters in a second, but six feet under for sure. Uh, The new show that just recently ended on Netflix called Atypical. Mm -hmm. Um, The sister in that show uh, throughout the series kind of had a boyfriend and realized she was uh gay and bi had a relationship uh transparent on amazon unfortunately met its uh untimely doom (laughs) um very much in that way um i'm gonna go as far as say unbreakable kimmy schmidt as well um titus and stuff like that uh i'm gonna say always sunny in philadelphia um which throughout the entire series uh mac uh mac reynolds they always give him shit and they always say like he's gay and then in season 12 he finally comes out as gay (laughs) yeah yeah 
but it's all through the whole show until season 12 when he finally is open about it <laughs> he is gay mm-hmm. so it's very under the radar uh the h the old hbo show oz um in prison and you know pretty much all relationships are gay in that show are lgbtq um and they're horrifying relationships in there and not horrifying in the fact that it's prison and murderers and stuff like that and how that works um and then to round that all round this all up we have to mention the godfather of queer cinema john waters who gave you Mm. female trouble and pink flamingos and pecker and um Oh man, the musical Hairspray, you know, this is all John Waters and he kind of founded queer cinema. So you have to give him a big round of applause and please find all of his movies because they are super fun, super crazy, super perverted and super queer. And it's amazing. These movies are some of my favorites. You can find them in a collection set. You can find them on the Criterion collection. You can uh find them seek them out john waters is still alive and amazing and great so hallelujah to that now gay now now gay characters your favorite gay characters i'm gonna go first and i'm gonna i'm gonna say frankenfurter from rocky horror picture show and i'm gonna have to say uh david from six feet under like david and keith together i mean i just love that relationship so much even though it was turbulent but yeah to see David transformation of a self-hating gay person to really mm-hmm. coming out in that first season and then the second season and getting more into it. And then just not find that character was so good. Yeah. Hello. That's, that is good. Um, I would have to say Simon from love Simon is probably mine in a film i really did love that character uh but also i was gonna say david from schitt's creek i so good so good he is so funny um just yeah he's such an amazing character uh i think i do i do really like david and keith from uh six feet under and i can't uh chris colfer on glee who played kurt he was a really great character and, and him and blaine before they like try to mess them up, they actually had a really beautiful relationship and they, they end up married at the end of it, but there's something I don't like that they do with them. But honestly, David and Patrick's relationship on Schitt's Creek is such a wonderful, I think really good example. And I don't know. I just, I love their relation. That's probably one of my favorite um, gay relationships. No, mine too. I loved it. I loved it. And I have to, Four funny ones. Uh, three of them are in the same movie, The Birdcage. Uh, Robin oh, Williams, Nathan Birdcage, Lane, yeah. and yeah. Hank Azaria as Agador Spartacus. <laughs> was so, it was so, even so over the top and ridiculous. They were su- such a good couple. I loved it. And then I have to mention uh, Wallace uh, from, oh, two more. Wallace from uh, Kier- Kieran and Culkin's uh, character from Scott Pilgrim. Mm. Uh, Scott Pilgrim's roommate was really funny. Okay. And then um, I'm going to have to mention Omar from The Wire. Um, if anybody's mm. ever seen The Wire, Omar, Omar coming, fantastic gay character and mm. hardcore. Uh, but Omar is probably, and uh, I would like to say that President Obama 
his favorite character in television is Omar from The Wire as well. Oh, that tells I didn't you anything. Really. So uh, it's fantastic. Um, and Omar is one of the greatest characters ever made and he is gay and a great, great character in The Wire. And for those of you who don't know The Wire, it is one of one of the, if not the best show ever made for television on HBO. <laughs> so highly recommend that. Um, there you also- go. Huh? I would say uh, Oscar from The Office. I do really like Oscar from The <laughs> Oscar Office. Oscar I when I think of Oscar from The Office, I oh man, the first image in my head is Michael, Michael Scott kissing him, kissing him and yep, it's just the best, most awkward kiss ever. Well, I just I there's so many like great things that Oscar says. Like one thing I think of is when Ryan and Kelly like uh, they want to get. That, like divorce because they got married over the weekend or something and he's like no 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 we're gonna break up i already decided uh we don't want to get married and i don't want to get married until uh everyone could get married yeah and it was be- before gay marriage was legalized right and then oscar's like um ryan I, on behalf of the gay community <laughs> we've all talked about it it's okay it's you okay can, <laughs> you can do <laughs> that it was, that was great <laughs> were there so any fun. Were there any gay characters in Parks and Rec besides Billy Eichner's character? I mean, I guess it's never said that he, or maybe he did say he was, but Billy Eichner came in, you know, very late well, yeah. in the show. But That's I don't know if there a was good any question. I don't know. You're you you would think on Parks and Rec that one of those people would have been, but if it was, it would have been a really small character. But no, I can't think of like a main one because april one. dated two gay dudes yes there was that but they, they were not a really a part of the show no they went away like so no not really i don't think so yeah i guess not until billy eichner's character came in it yeah was and great. he came so late yeah it was because everybody thought tom haverford was gay Dude, <laughs> i guess yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, there we go. That is our main event, the LGBTQ community or community, the films. Uh, please seek those out. Please watch them. Uh, let's get into our blind watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, our blind watch is not a happy-go-lucky film by any means. No, it's, a do- it's, it's, a, it's a documentary and it's a documentary made by Christine uh, Stolakis and it follows survivors of conversion therapy and former leaders, um, Ryan Murphy of like American Horror Story and Nip Tuck Glee. Uh, and Glee, as <laughs> well as Jason Bloom uh, from Bloomhouse, uh, produced it and uh, had its uh, world premiere just like a month or two ago at Tribeca Film Festival. And it is currently on Netflix right now as a documentary and it covers conversion therapy or mm-hmm. those centers, those religious uh affiliations that have uh sections where you can go and pray away your gayness pray away for being gay and the movie is called pray away and it doesn't actually follow like an actual conversion therapy session it follows like survivors of it like people who actually thought so low of themselves that they wanted to not be who they were. So they went to these places, they tried to convert others and through religious, through Jesus, um, pray away who you are mm-hmm. and get rid of this, what they deem sickness, this illness uh, away. And then in relationship to having survivors talk about it, they actually follow some current 
gay people who are still actively in conversion therapy and trying to stop it. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad and horrible. And, you know, you just don't want to see anything like this and no. it's still going on. And like Susan said, one of her favorite movies was boy race. And that yeah. movie tackles this element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see it, Cause like in a movie, you can separate yourself from, you know, like it's art, it's Hollywood, but this is like real shit. Like yeah. this is happening. And I don't know. I, I mean, I went into this movie thinking, okay, I'm going to hate this because it's just like a subject not, not hate the documentary, hate the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't, this is just, are, aren't we beyond this, you know, type of thing. So uh, it's pretty crazy. And I'm trying to figure out why it's there. You know, why, like, it's gotta be a money thing. It's gotta be a money-making thing. It just, Oh, like why it still exists. Right. Like it has to be a business, a money thing. Like that's, I can't, unless, and then then hatred. Well, Uh, yeah. Business, hatred, and sick people who sadly use religion as a way to make make it seem like this is okay right 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 and so you know going into it you're just like i'm gonna you're gonna hate the subject matter and then yeah you do hate the subject matter but then you also see like these crazy stories and then just like the movie boys in the band you really see a lot of gay people, all the, the hatred starts from within, mm-hmm. you know, starts with inside themselves uh, because society has made it that way. It has not been accepting um, even as far as recently, as far as we've been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it starts there. So these, these gay people just like, oh God, I've been told my whole life that I'm not right. This is a sickness. I have to get help. And then, you know, an affiliation or religious affiliation is like, looks, you know, you're like, Oh, people are going to accept me, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's terrible. I don't know. But I think it starts there. And it, and then it showcases and reveals like how these survivors really started with like this hatred for themselves that they went through this. Right. Right. Well, Well, yeah, and I think we get to see just the kind of damage it not only, you know, did to them because some of these people went as far as to get married and have kids and they were really fighting it because they were told this is what they had to do. But, you know, they were preaching this to other people who were struggling and they have to deal with the fact and live with the fact that they could be the reason why somebody killed themselves. And it is right. very hard on them. They think about the damage that they did to other people who could not fake it. Essentially, they couldn't fake it. They couldn't go that far. Right. And that's what these uh, these places do. It's mm-hmm. very awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and these are just not people that went to conversion therapy and found somebody to marry. No, these is a conversion therapy where people met in conversion therapy, a gay woman, a gay guy, and forced themselves to think that they were straight and married each other. Mm-hmm. Of course it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them talk, 
you know, about like what they did and how awful it was, how they manipulated you, how they brainwashed you into thinking. And then they show new footage, present day footage of it still going on. And my mind, I, Susan and I were confused as we were texting, watching this together at the same time. There are these people that are clearly gay. Yes. Who are trying to stop people from being gay. And Susan and I became confused. Like, what is he trying to do here? Like, (laughs) he has this party happening and it's all gay people coming over. Like people, like, you know, uh, I'd hate to say it, but a stereotypical person that you would think, you know, back in the 80s or 90s as being gay, you know, flamboyant, I guess. And then you see him trying to stop it and pray away. It, and you're, I'm just like, what's happening here? Does he not know what, what, what what's going on? Why is he hating himself so much? Why does he hate this so much? Because there is so much more out there that's accepting and loving and all of that good stuff. So I, what, what did you think of this character or that, not this character, this actual person? That person. No, that one, it's hard because immediately my reaction is I'm mad because I don't, I get very mad when I see people like that. And I don't want anyone. I just, I hate the thinking about the damage that it does to somebody who is struggling. That's my first thing. And I just, it just disgusts me to think about somebody uh, just hating. I mean, he was, he was trying to be nice, I guess he seemed like he'd be a gentler kind of person that if maybe somebody was gay, maybe he wouldn't be very attacking on them. I would hope. Um, but mostly I felt, I, I felt bad for him because I'm like, they're what I, I'm more thinking like, what happened to you? What did they do to you that you are at this point now? Because, you know, that character was originally a transgender and now he is a man and he is just, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, mo- I mostly feel bad for him. I, I think there's something, some damage was done to him that he thinks that he's, he's in denial and I don't know. I just don't know what happened to him. No, it feels like it's like the stages of grief. Yeah. You you go through these stages of grief and he's clearly in the denial aspect Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, And maybe he'll get through the anger and stuff like that, but you know, it, it was very upsetting to see somebody go through that and actively so what's the worst part i think for all these people is that not only they went through it but they were actively trying to recruit and pray others away yeah that's yeah and so i don't know if you watched it yet did you watch that episode of south park cartman sucks no I all right about that. You, you need to watch it because it does tackle that it does tackle gay conversion therapy where butters is sent to a gay conversion camp uh after a joke on a ride and through the whole episode, you know, all these kids there are super depressed to get there mm-hmm. having a break. And throughout the episode, the joke is, and like the tragedy is, is that every time it happens, like every minute or two, a kid shoots himself or hangs himself in the show. Oh, that's awful. And the church is like, oh, we got another one, you know? And it's just like, that is actually happening in real life. Mm-hmm. Like people are doing that. The people are in conversion therapy because they don't think well of themselves. So that actually happens in the show. And uh, it's, 
it's a great message at the end when Butters says like, you know, you're talking about God creates everybody in their own image. So like, if I'm bi-curious, God must be bi-curious too, you know, or a little gay too, you know, like it's really good. Yeah. Um, but like to get there, you're just like, oh man, these kids are just doing it and like what they're saying. But this documentary really does show just how damaging it is. Like there's nothing good about a conversion therapy at all. And it's usually, I mean, at least in this documentary, it was what Baptist, right? You know, the, the Southern Baptist or Baptist sure. religion, okay. you know, like, you know, you can get into Catholicism and all, but like Catholicism should, <laughs> ex, you know, accept it just because of their whole horrific thing with priests and kids. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know. It, it, it's the, 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 this hatred and this money-making thing hide behind a religious affiliation to mm-hmm. really say, this is wrong. You need to do something about it where anybody who's religious or believes in a religion is supposed supposed to accept anybody, you know? Yeah. You know, that's what, can- that's yeah. what boggles my like love thy neighbor do not judge others and i don't know right. i mean we should just treat everybody the same and just accept them for who they are right no i agree yes that's how you do it and it's a shame that this is still going on and it's still mm-hmm. i mean I, I i would consider it a hate group you know like how do you like this should be part of that southern poverty center like yeah. keep tabs on these people like i mean it doesn't seem like they're violent at all anyway like yeah. like uh, you know uh like the fred phelps church or neo-nazis but you're doing so much emotional damage right uh that it is just really bad um and yeah pray away uh i recommend it you know you're not it's not a movie you're gonna watch a lot uh you'll watch it once no. you're just like man this is just terrible we got it we got to do something yeah. You want you want to take these people who are still in it and just like shake them and like stop it. You're great as you are. You don't have to be someone else. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. I just want to. That that's mainly what I want. Is I I want. I, I think it's a it's a great documentary. It's important. It it it's a little long. That's the one critique I have. It's about two hours. Yeah, could could have probably been condensed. So there is a point where it drags a little, but it's still important content it's still effective so i would i still recommend it um i just hope that people will watch it and take away of just accepting each other and being kind to one another and just i mean really that's all we need to do love love one another yes like uh bill and ted said be excellent to each other there you go there you go (laughs) So that was our blind watch, Pray Away. It's on Netflix right now. Um, Thank you, Susan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Going to honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Okay, honorable mentions. This is where we're going to talk about the new stuff that's coming out. Uh, Let's first talk about uh, the big one, the the, the big DC one, uh, The Suicide Squad. It's out on HBO Max now for the next month. It's in theaters. James Gunn from the Guardians of the Galaxy came over to DC when he was fired unceremoniously from Disney and Marvel and brought to DC to reboot the Suicide Squad franchise, made it super awesome, super fun. 
It's got emotion. <laughs> it uh, it's got action. It is rated R. It is gory. It's got comedy. And what James Gunn does best is take a crazy cast and gives every character their time to shine and makes them feel important no matter how small or big they are. Yeah. And it's fun. Like I remember going to the original Suicide Squad movie theater and the IMAX was happening and I leaned over to somebody, I don't know if it was Preston or Susan, but I said, this is going to be the best part of the movie, the IMAX trailer. And it was. Um, well, I think you were really harsh. I remember you saying that the beginning of the original one to me was good, but it just yeah, the first eight minutes. Really, yeah. Eight minutes introducing maybe, characters, maybe right? 20. The introducing <laughs> of the characters, the introduction of the characters is really good. And I was like, ooh, ooh, and then it just went south. And I was like, OK, it lost it. But yeah, this one is so good. Like I had such a great time with this movie. Love the characters, love the writing. I mean, it's long. It's almost two and a half hours. It is long, but it's it's still a blast to watch. And I just had a really great time with it. No, yeah, it's great. Watch it. It's super fun. Again, it is rated R for like gross violence. Yes. Um, it's funny as shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Watch this movie. It's it's batshit James Gunn goodness. And if you don't know James, if you only know James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy, you're really missing out. Like yeah. his stuff previous to this, you're just like, man, it's amazing. This guy got hundreds of millions of dollars to make movies, just like Peter Jackson. Peter mm-hmm. Jackson just made gross horror movies. And he did. He got the the biggest films ever made. It happens. And to have James Gunn at the peak of his career right now is just amazing. Because I love the guy. Yeah, he's an amazing dude. He's an amazing filmmaker. Uh, and to redo Suicide Squad like this is just great. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. I agree. He did a great job, and highly recommend it. So, Suicide Squad. Um, the Suicide Squad. Yeah. The Suicide Squad. The first, the original one is Suicide Squad. This one is the Suicide Squad. So they mm-hmm. they did the opposite of Facebook. They added the the. So, um, we got to move on to another movie, which I think we have differing opinions on. Um, this movie is probably one of my favorite movies of the year so far. I super loved it it's on apple tv plus so get those apple tvs going and watch it but the movie coda i love so much it is so sweet endearing funny great emotional amazing movie about a a deaf family with one family member being able to hear and uh it is so good great music Joni mitchell about a a family again daughter is about to go to college finally stepping into what she wants to do is to sing uh and our 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 friend that we've interviewed eugenio eugenio derbez is in the film i don't know this movie just really spoke to me i loved it i love this not really coming of age but just coming out of your shell and great family like kind of like that the way way back or something just like, or the peanut butter Falcon, you know, just something that you're so sweet and fun to watch. And I love those types of movies and I love yeah, this I mean, one, I, but I, I liked it. Something that we differ. I'm giving this like, Oh, it's my favorite movie. You're, and you're like, I liked it. You're your top 10. You're saying this is in your top 10. I just really enjoyed it. I teared up a few times. Like I got like choked up. I got choked up a few times. 
Um, I thought it was a really great story. Great acting. It was cute. It, it felt it felt a little like. Like a little safer than a peanut butter falcon. It felt a little bit more. Almost Disney esque. Like a little slight, yeah, but not that's not a bad thing. It just felt very cookie cutter, it just felt cookie cutter vibes to it. That's not bad. I love those movies. I just I enjoyed it. I did like the representation of a you know for the deaf community. Uh, but I just don't think it's gonna be my like favorite film of the year, but I really enjoyed it. Oh, it was definitely in my top 10. And I think there was a lot at stake. I didn't think it felt like too cookie cutter. Cause like there were times I was like, oh man, if she actually leaves, she, that family's not going to be well off. They're going to lose their boat. They're going to lose their fish. Like I didn't think that was actually going to happen, but like they were billing it that they, oh man, she might stay back. She might, I don't know. Cookie cutter to me is that it's a squeaky clean ending and it was a squeaky clean ending. Which is good. Which I said, it is a good thing, but I knew that was coming. I knew this was that movie that was coming there. There was no, to me, there was, it was just like, okay, of course this was going to happen. It was something very, with the singing, it kind of reminded me of like, raise your voice with Hilary Duff. Like it was just, uh, it was way better than that. But that's that element of, oh, is she going to go to make it to her audition? Is she going to get it? Is it going to have, like, it's, <laughs> come on. It's, it's, it's very predictable, but that's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's a good movie. I recommend it. I put it on there. Uh, I'm just, I don't know if I'd be like, oh my God, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. So, so Susan didn't like it. I loved it. Oh my God. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed it. Brian's on the level of like, this is the best fucking movie of the year. Yes, <laughs> yes. I really liked that much. It's in the top five even, I think, right now. You're right. You, there's a lot of movies that you'll watch and you'll be like, this is so good. This is like the best movie. Like, I'm very I'm very reserved with that. I, it takes a while for me to say that because I like hold my... I like write notes down of what's going to be the contender. So I, I, it's hard for me to just like... <laughs> You know, it's like it's like that first time you say I love you or something. I don't just throw it out. Brian, he's just like best movie of the year. But he's he's already said like 10 best movies of the year. So we'll see what actually makes the top 10. I, which one? Well, in and of itself is still number one to me, I think. I don't know, Brian. There's so many movies. Any movie you like this year, practically, you're like, it's the it's so damn it's good. So, it's so like, good. like your head exploded <laughs> from how good it was. <laughs> I love Cruella. Coda. You really loved Cruella. Because I've hated every single Disney movie and it was so good. It was good. <laughs> I, I say it's good. I just don't say like one of the best movies of the year until it's like until I can really for sure say that. OK, OK. I see where you come from, Sue. Yeah. She gangsta. <sighs> <laughs> uh, OK, so a movie very different from Coda. The Night House, mm-hmm. a Disney movie that is rated R. <laughs> not Disney. It's not Disney. Is it not? It is owned by Disney. But it's not a Disney movie. I mean, in the sense, in, in the in the editorial. People are going to really think we have to be credible here, Brian. People are going to be like, well, they said no BS and it was Disney. Okay, so the production company is 20th Century. Who okay. bought 20th Century? Disney. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my God. Anyways, it's a good movie. <laughs> I, I, I'm, uh, I thought it had some good scares. Rebecca Hall's really good in it. Um, it's a, it's, I guess you would count it as a horror, right? It's definitely a horror movie yeah. about a woman who the first scene you see her coming home and you re- and you find out that her husband has uh, committed suicide by gunshot. And then all sorts of weird, strange bumps in the night, apparitions, things she sees and hears start happening in their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lots of twists and turns of what's happening, actually happening, and uh, there are some pretty terrifying moments in it. Uh, and it is uh, pretty fucked up for yeah. a Disney movie. <laughs> not Disney, people. Don't get mistaken. It's not Disney. Uh, it's good, though. Definitely worth the watch. Uh, we recommend it. I also I didn't put this on there, but I watched The Kissing Booth 3 last night. I just want to mention how not to watch it. It was so bad. What? This is up your alley, Susan. I know your favorite movies of every year. No, it's not. I (laughs) really enjoyed the first one. Second one was not great, but the third one, which was so bad, I was struggling to get through it. I was like, I cannot believe this is how they chose to end this thing. But anyways, we don't have to talk too much about it. It's just, you know, it's out there. It came out this weekend. So curious if anyone else disliked it. So, but it's, I didn't watch it, but oh well. You would not be missing out. You watched the To All the Boys I Love Before, all of those, right? Yes. And those are great. I didn't, second and third one are just okay. Uh, the first one I did like. First one is amazing. Love that first one. Um, second one, I'm with you. It was just okay. Third one is solid. That's how I. There you go. Uh, tell me about this. What if? Because I know I know what what if is, but I haven't watched it yet. You didn't watch it yet. Did not watch it yet. Are you going to? That that's the plan. But tell me. Um, should so I, it's should based, I not? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you'll like it. It's we watched the first three episodes since they gave it to us. It's, it's the Marvel, uh, right? Mar- new Marvel. Marvel show. Marvel's take. It's an animated show. It does brings me back. It actually reminds me kind of like I feel like I'm watching the Batman animated series again in a way. Um, but they're taking scenarios that as Marvel fans, we all know, like, what if it wasn't Steve Rogers that went in that machine and turned into Captain America? What if it was Peggy Carter and she went in there and then she became the, the, you know, Captain America, Captain America woman. I forgot if that's what she's called. Uh, but they've got all those or what if um and said one of those bittersweet ones is chadwick boseman's possibly last performance it's his voice as what if yondu actually abducted the what's it called black panther when he was younger instead of chris pratt when he was younger oh yeah t'challa yeah takes t'challa instead of peter quill by accident and he like takes him and he becomes part of the family and stuff like that. So it's very interesting scenarios. Um, some episodes are better than others, but it's cute. My husband uh, really liked it probably more than I did. I don't mind watching it. I think it's worth it. it's only like 30 minutes or wait, actually, they might have been longer. Now I think about it, uh, but 
it, it, I feel like it's also, it's very safe for kids. You can totally have kids watch it. So that might be another thing. Maybe Disney plus wanted some, even like a Marvel animated series. So yeah, you should watch it. I want to know what you think. All right. I'll have to watch that. I know the what ifs there's a, there's some cool comic books that came out many, many years ago that kind of did that. So on the oh, okay. DC side and Marvel side. So it was kind of cool. Um, and then have you watched the chair or clickbait yet on Netflix? Nope. Okay. So I'm going to mention these, the chair is a new show on Netflix. It's only five or six episodes. And I think this is all it's going to be. I don't see it coming back for a second season, uh-huh. but it stars Sandra. Oh, and, um, uh, what's his name from transparent? Uh, he's the brother. Oh, what's his name? Big filmmakers, right? Um, transparent why am i forgetting uh their names i'm looking real (laughs) real quick uh transparent and it is um jay duplass jay duplass oh jay duplass okay yeah jay duplass Mm -hmm. the brother of mark duplass jay duplass and sandra oh sandra oh has just become the uh the head of the English department at Pembroke University. And the show follows kind of her and the faculty at the English trying to keep them relevant. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's actually pretty funny. It's funny and dramatic at the same time. And it kind of tackles uh, cancel culture in a way as well um, and how bad that is, but it's really good. It's really funny. Uh, go Sandra O, go Jay Duplass and everybody else in there. It's actually really good. Highly recommend it. And then there is Clickbait, which is a fucking terrible title for this new show um, starring, um, oh, what's her name? Married to Paul Dano. Oh, uh, are they married now? Yeah, Zoe. Is it Zoe? Zoe Kazan. Zoe Kazan. And Adrian Grenier, who you would know mostly from Entourage. Um, or Drive Me Crazy. Or Drive Me Crazy. Yes, uh, amongst other people. But this show is actually awesome. Um, basically, it starts out with uh, Zoe uh, and Adrian, our brother and sister, and, and um, Adrian has a family, and they're all at their mother's house uh, for dinner. And then all of a sudden, the next day, Adrian's character doesn't show up for work. Nobody can find him. And then there's this viral video on YouTube that is posted that has him bloodied and beaten that mm-hmm. he's holding up and says, I abuse women. If this gets 5 million views, I will die. And each episode is titled something different and they follow a different character. So the sister is first, the, the mother, the wife, you know, something like that. And mm-hmm. It is actually pretty intense and suspenseful. Uh, okay. it's, 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 it's a thriller and it's actually really good. Uh-huh. Um, highly recommend it. And it's kind of like, you know, kind of like who did this? Who's responsible for this? And yeah. kind of like that show on HBO um, uh, with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. Oh, like the, the Undoing? Who, the I undoing. did like that. It's a oh, lot like that. And like, who who did it? Who's actually in like, you and how the undoing made it so in every episode you thought it was somebody that did it this yeah. show does that uh with the wife and the kids and the sister and everybody else uh it's pretty cool 
So wow. it comes out on Netflix in a, in a week or two. It's called Clickbait. Definitely recommend it. And it's it. a mini series. Like it's just this, these eight episodes and it's done. I believe so. Unless they get something uh, like another type of story. Like and that's a, a new story. It wouldn't yeah. be this story. Right. And I think it's the same way with the chair only because they really wrapped everything up in the chair, even though they could have gone further with it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, hopefully they don't. Cause I really like the chair too. It's, you know, it's kind of lighthearted enough comedy, uh-huh. but yeah, the clickbait's super fun. Um, that and- one sounds really interesting. I might actually watch clickbait. Yeah, I think you'll really like uh, the chair as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it's you know it's five or six episodes. They're thirty minutes each, so they're they're it's easy to get through. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it'll make you mad at the cancel culture too. So uh, I'm already mad at them. <laughs> no, right, right, right. So, uh, but it's good. It's good stuff. Um, fantastic show. So that's our honorable mentions. We've got more coming up on our 31st episode here in a couple weeks. I'll pick the blind watch this time. Don't know where I'm going with it, uh, but uh, it'll be it'll be groovy. And uh, hopefully we'll have some more uh, good. We're going to talk about Big Brother and I'm really going to try my damnedest and hardest to get Susan to watch Big Brother so we can have a conversation about it. We'll see about that. I will (laughs) keep you updated on Bachelor in Paradise. And yes, we do have a whole lot more coming up. I'm excited to see what Brian picks next. And I will be picking. I already got my blind watch ready for after that. Ooh, I'm going to have to figure out what that is so I can watch it first. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm not going to (laughs) say. Not going to say. All right, then. Um, Susan, where can they find you? Thischickslicks.com. ICTN.tv. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Google. There you go. Brian Kluger. You can find me at highdefdigest.com, boomstickcomics.com, screenrant.com, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Just type it in. You'll find some fun stuff. Uh, Yeah. And we love you. No BS podcast. Type in no BS podcast and you'll find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Podbay, Podbean, all of it. We love you. Love you guys.